The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome to our Dharma practice day. We're, this year we're doing a series of Dharma practice days on the Eightfold Path. And uh, we've gone through the first five of the Eightfolds. And with the sixth month starting today, we, we turn a corner to now look specifically at uh, practicing with our inner landscape. The last three had to do more with practicing with our actions in the world, our speech and how we behave in the world. And now it has to do with beginning to uh, turn towards and be aware of and work with our inner life, <clears throat> to cultivate the inner life in a certain way. And so today the topic, topic is right effort, and right effort specifically refers to the inner mental effort that we make. make. And um, what we do with our minds, and, uh, or our hearts, if you prefer. And then uh, next time it'll be right mindfulness, what we do with uh, the practice of mindfulness, which is an inner practice of using our attention, an activity of particular attention, activity of the mind, where we use our attention and then the uh, last factor is the uh, right concentration, which has to do also with how we use our attention, but how we use it to, to get focused or calm or settled. And um, so I would like, before we go much further, before I say much that might <clears throat> influence you unduly, um, I asked you these reflections in the meditation I just try to say, try to point out that there is this world of mental activity. Um, there's a doing that we do in the mind. There's also that which happens seemingly effortlessly. Um, you know, just all kinds of activities in the mind just seemingly just occur and we're not really in charge. They just flow through. We're mind daydreams and the thoughts just come and go. And, um, but there might be, might be a very, very subtle choice to stay, stay with the daydreams as opposed to do something else with your mind. And um, so, so there's a kind of, the, but there's, there's clearly at times when we choose and we're engaged in choosing what to think, maybe what to feel, what to um, bring our attention to, uh, what to intend with our mind. There's a kind of a world of inner activity, mental activity that we have some choice over that we engage in, so a mental doing, if you will. And I think that um, before, I'd like to just have you, give you a chance to share with someone, what is your relationship to this inner world of doing, of activity, mental activity? Uh, there's a probably, each one of you has a different attitude, different approach, relationship to it. My guess is that most, many of you have never thought about this issue, what's your attitude, your relationship to your inner, inner activity, your inner doing, and the, you know. Um, and um, 
and it might be nice to kind of hear yourself kind of explore this and talk about it and, and, um, and just, uh, you know, find out, you know, where you are with this topic as we, before we start the day of going into it and what the Buddhist practice uh, relationship is to it. So I thought that um, it would be nice to maybe for you guys, before I do a kind of the f- usual formal welcome that I do, um, and the introduction to the topic more than I just did, is to you to turn towards someone and to another person, groups of two, hopefully there's an even number, and, uh, and share with the, per- the other person what came up for you, what your thoughts are, what your, you know, what are your thoughts about, or observations or understandings about your relationship to your mental activity. Um, and in particular, the kind of mental activity where you have some choice over, where you choose to act in a certain way mentally or to engage in a certain way. And um, and I think it'd be good if um, we do this as um, as a, one person has a chance to talk, and the other person's job is to listen, to be the witness. And then I'll ring a bell, and then we'll switch, and you can the other change roles. And the reason for this approach is that uh, to have the monologue is that then you can talk for a while, uninterruptedly, to see kind of like of. Um, free associations, kind of exploration. See where your mind, thoughts go and as you explore this on your own, uninterruptedly. And, um, and it's not so much that you're telling another person about yourself. Um, it's meant to be kind of an exploration that you do for yourself to, to see if you can discover something new about yourself. And the other, you're doing it out loud and the other person's the witness where you're doing that. So it's a very different kind of conversation than we usually have where we're often focused on telling someone something. And so that's not really the point here. It doesn't really matter, you know, the person's just a witness and support for you to do it. So, um, and also the question I'm offering, asking uh, about your relationship to your mental activity is meant to be broad and vague enough that uh, you don't worry about, you know, that what does Gil mean? Uh, rather, uh, see see what you, see what you do with it. See how you find your way with that. And you know, it's, you know, it's just many things, many ways, many directions, many things you can end up going with it. And I'd like to have you have the freedom to see what where you pick it up and what you do with it. And um, it's not like a right answer. Um, and um, so, what I thought was was about seven minutes or so for each person to talk. And um, so. Um, and I'll ring a bell after seven minutes so you know it's time to... What we'll do is I'll ring a bell, we'll take a minute to be quiet, maybe close your eyes and breathe, and then I'll ring a bell and then we can switch roles. And um, if you need to go to the bathroom, you can you know, try to do it now and come back. It would be nice if you could stay and do this for the 15 minutes. Um, so is that okay? Is that any questions about that? And... Um, some of you are new here and never done this before. Um, what I could tell you is that um, some people who are new to this kind of process feel uncomfortable to talk like this. And, but after you do it sometime, people tend to uh, really appreciate it. So if you, if, you, you know, if you keep doing it, you'll probably come to appreciate it. So, um, so if you could uh, divide up. And if you can't find a partner... Uh, come towards the front, towards me, and we'll, maybe you'll find each other that way. Or if you end up with one person, I'll help out with that.
breathe, and check in with yourself. How are you in your body? How are you in your mind? How are you in your heart? taking a deep breath or two to kind of clear out and prepare for what's next, new role. And then you can open your eyes and um, change roles and you can, the other person has a now chance to talk, talk on this topic. And take a few moments here to check in with yourself. How are you? How are you in body, heart and mind? And then breathe. Then, um, if you could reform our group the way we were before. We'll um, take just a few minutes here before a break 
to, uh, for you to share a little bit what that was like. I think it would be nice to hear from different people because my assumption is that people had very different things to say and so different experiences were different ways in which this was interesting for you or surprising. So it would be nice if some people would share a little bit. What was that like to have that exploration? Behind you, Jim. Um, so, um, I, I, start, I, I, I started speaking about, um, thinking about, speaking about, um, the obsessive quality of my mind and how painful it was. Uh, in, in particular today, um, I'm obsessed with a thought, with a situation, circumstance, being mindful of it. And um, uh, and meeting the, the the difficult parts with mindfulness, and um, this is how it feels. This is what's happening, etc. Um, and finding that, in some ways, the experience became more painful, as because the field of view opened up more. There's more to see. Um, and the only analogy I have for it, sometimes when you go to a physical therapist, they'll, you know, they'll do something and you say, ow, and they say, well, was that the good hurt or the bad hurt? Because <laughs> <laughs> some of it feels like it's doing something good, even though it's hurting. And, and so that was the experience that, as, as we were talking, I realized that was the experience that I was having as we were speaking, talking through this. So as you, as you reflected out loud about your obsessive qualities of your mind, it, it, there was an ouch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Here, up here. So I find that I'm, um, I'm pretty good about <clears throat> consciously um, tracking my thoughts, finding if a thought is not helpful, don't, don't take the train. Um, uh, but what I find is that, I don't know if I'm just like, I'm doing a lot of Freudian repression or something, yeah. but I really don't sleep well. And I find that I wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night and I've got these really bad dreams and I wake up in the morning and I feel like I'm not refreshed at all. I feel like I've been like struggling <laughs> with myself all night. And so I feel like there's this sort of forebrain, you know, okay, I've got things, you know, I see things as they are um, and I can set conscious intentions um, but there's that, it feels like that's the tip of the iceberg. And so there's this other, like the whole rest of the iceberg that is not, is not buying it or is not on the same page. Or, um, so there feels like this 
just lack of integration and kind of synchronicity with like mind, <clears throat> heart, body. And there's all kinds of practices that I do to try to bring that about. But, but I find in my dream state, it kind of all falls apart. And then that awareness comes that, okay, well, I'm really not, I'm not all together. Mm. There's so, so, the, <clears throat> so your attitude, your relationship to your thinking is that you track your thoughts and, and uh, thoughts that seem not useful to have, you let go of and do other things. But the big question for you is does that leave you somehow disconnected to some deeper part, the underground roots of those kinds of thinking? And what do you do to address that in this process? And so, so you, you know, you have this dark, unknown area of your life which you're confused by, and so the, the, the mental activity you don't understand. Great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, listening. It brings up what's going on in my mind. One of the things that I became aware of is my environment has an effect on what's going on in the activity of my mind. If I'm in a joyful situation like being with my young grandchildren, um, it's a a very good feeling, an uplifting feeling. But if I'm in an environment that is a fearful environment for me, um, then uh, my thoughts are opposite. They're very anxiety and very stressed. And what I noticed at the end of my talking time is I, I've been in a stressed situation, uh, and in a fearful situation, and when we stop and we got in touch with our our body and our mind, I found my body was really stressed, really uh, tight muscles, because I had been talking about something that's stressful to me. And so my mind, I mean, what I'm saying is, it brings to my mind how much... A control my mind has over my physical body. Yes, it's a great insight. So what I'm hearing from you is that um, you don't feel you can have much uh, mastery over your own mind or any choice over what your mind does. You're influenced by the environment quite a bit, and uh, and you're also influenced by the topic of discussing something that's stressful produces more stress. So the idea of so you, so your mind kind of follows along. It's kind of like the servant. Of, of situations rather than the master of situations. And, and um, so that's an important thing to notice. And yeah, so I'm sitting here going, how do I switch that? That's, that's the <laughs> question. There, that's, that's, the, that's the question. Very good. Very good. We had some commonality here. Um, um, when I, I, I guess my thoughts, uh, if I try to, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of a mental person anyway. And 
as you know, I've had some trouble with the reflections in between uh, these uh, meetings because I, and it was, it really became clear to me <laughs> in talking um, what it was that there, there is a judge. There's, uh, and it probably maybe goes back to school days or something where. Um, and it probably has to do with how I'm seen or how I feel I'm presenting myself as well. But I discovered in this last month that um, thoughts can also come from a deeper level. That I mean, that this really is a surface level. My the judges, the judge, and yeah. also that kind of thinking yeah. is very shallow. And I was able to um, actually got sick. It was really sick. I think maybe it might. But I was kind of aware, oh, well, I really have to do this thing. You know, yeah. this, because I also meet with a mentor today. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this kind of, I got to get together with the teacher, you know, I got to get prepared. But I think I was sick. And I, um, so things came from a different level. They somehow, and I think it's much deeper. I mean, it's much more meaningful to me than if I sat down and tried Great. to answer those questions. Great, beautiful. So, the, so one interesting, interesting question, perhaps hearing that, is how much choice do you have about which level in the mind do you think from? Well, I don't want to be sick all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I better get better at accessing that deeper yeah. level. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Great, thank you. Um, so continuing on that, I do feel there are truly different levels that I experience in my mental states. Um, very similarly to you, there seems to be this, I can actually, I'm very kinesthetic, I think, and very extroverted. So sometimes I feel, I don't even think if I say it out loud. There's no actual, you know, the things that happen inside without being expressed out loud are just, well, I apologize, they're just crap. It's just, <laughs> it's just stuff and it races around. And so um, I feel it very physically as something that exists in my head and maybe my shoulders and my neck and there's tension. And if I move it further down into my body, into my heart and my gut, and I can feel that barometer of openness and compassion and or alarm system for me, it feels like sometimes. If it starts to contract even the tiniest bit, then um, it's when I'm aware. <laughs> it's not always. I can just feel it shift from, you know, from my gut and my heart into my head. And I'm a very fast data processor, so... But that, that happens invisibly for me, and so the results occur. They don't, I don't experience the process. Uh-huh. It just comes all as one, like as an aha. Uh-huh. But the um, emotional um, intention and data, that comes from the settling. And, um, and that is effort for me. That's where my effort comes. That right effort comes in really feeling like an actual physical effort to slow and to stop. 
So ordinarily your mental activity is somewhat offline because your extroversion it comes out so quickly for you. And so for you, there's a, there's a certain kind of mental effort required to drop down, to slow down and be in touch with you some deeper way. So you still might act quickly, but then at least you're coming from different data points. Yes, exactly. Great. So there's choice involved in what you do with your mind. And maybe it's a little, for someone who's an extrovert, it requires a certain kind of, different, particular kind of effort that maybe is not quite the nature of that kind of mind. Okay? So one, maybe one more? This exercise reminded me of um, something that I witnessed a few months ago. And um, I was in a climbing gym, climbing with some, um, a group of women. And there was a, another group of young people climbing next to us. And it was a woman climbing. And it was her boyfriend who was belaying her or holding the rope while she climbed. And it, she was obviously a very inexperienced climber. And she had a lot of fear And her boyfriend was berating her the whole way up. And she took a really long time. And she really got stuck. And she was paralyzed. And and the group of women that I was with was really upset about it. They were, um, you know, they had a lot of compassion for this young woman. And they were really upset with the young man because of the way he was talking to her. It was really quite harmful. And as I was sitting, I was witnessing this whole thing unfold. And as I did... I just, uh, despite myself, had this complete shift in perspective where I saw that, that, that what this man was saying to this woman, this young man saying to this young woman, was really a, a, a thread or a conversation that was thousands of years old and that he just simply wasn't aware that it was a thought or a way of being that he had inherited. And, um, and that experience you know, uh, shifted my thinking in so many ways um, because it, the w- one thing that it did, which I was really grateful for, was it, it filled me with compassion for the young man um, as well as the woman. She was much easier to have compassion for, but also for this young man. Um, and then another thing that it did for me is it um, helped me see myself in, in a totally different perspective, to, be, to see myself as just one small moment in that, continuum or that that conversation and um, helped me to not take my my own thoughts and feelings so personally as if I own them, as if they're mine, as if they originated in me and that, that I'm somehow good or bad depending upon what thought or feeling I have, but to have a, a, a detachment from that thought or feeling so that I could um, choose to be different. And that's the third thing that I got from it is it helped me to see what my role is uh, in this small, you know, momentary continuum of life, um, to see that my role is is to make those conscious choices, so that um, that's how I can participate in um, living in the world that I want to live in. Great, so. wonderful. So this conscious choices. So the you know, it, conscious means that <clears throat> it's in the mind. We're aware of it. <clears throat> choices have their source in the mind. And so it's, a, uh, it's one of the, you know, to, to live an effective life, to a good life, um, 
we need to at some point be able to get a handle on our inner inner life, our mind, what goes on in our minds, our hearts, and not to leave, not to let it just be random, not to let it just be um, influenced by the circumstances we're in, and to kind of basically victims of circumstances. Then, because then we it's the danger we just follow the conversations that are ancient. We follow these ancient things and we're influenced by so many factors. And, um, and you know, so what are the choices we make? What do, who, what do we allow to be the influences on us? And, uh, and to ask that question, what influences affect us, um, is begin to take charge, take responsibility over the inner landscape, the inner mind, what goes on there, and to make it more conscious what we do. Um, how many of you, when you heard the idea of this appetite of making mental effort, as, uh, felt a little bit deflated hearing this? Oh no, <laughs> effort, <laughs> effort is it means work. <laughs> Some of you did that, <clears throat> you know, because you don't want to work. And now we're going to talk about working. <laughs> so, um, so there can be resistance to doing this, and partly because um, because maybe we haven't learned how to make mental effort in a way that's, uh, that's harmonious, that's peaceful, that's easeful. Uh, rather, there's, uh, like you talked about the judge that's there, there's all these um, added on kind of associations making effort uh, about uh, um, our identity issues, how people see us it comes into play and um, we have to make the effort has to be harsh, there's an inner judge, inner critic, there's, um, we, have to, we have to succeed, we have to be perfect. There's all these things that go along with the idea of making effort that can make it exhausting. And um, so to understand how we make the mental effort and not to just say, well, mental, m- mental effort is a drag, I'm not going to do that. And then if we don't make any mental effort whatsoever, then uh, what's going to influence the activities of the mind? Because the mind's still going to be active. And, um, and you know, it's basically it could be that the best approach then would be uh, have a sign that says, world, get out of the way. <laughs> you know, because I'm, you know, going to do my thing. So, so with that, let's take a break. And uh, we will start again in 20 minutes, so 10 after, 10, 10 minutes after.